Greetings and salutations, cool cats and cuties. Welcome, one and all, <laughs> to the 69th episode of the anime podcast of some <laughs> sort. Beavis. <laughs> nice. 69. <laughs> I'm David Majors, my intrepid co-host, the one and only artiste extraordinaire, Jack McAllister. What's up, Jackson? Oh, man, I'm feeling just like a fly boy today. We got lots to do. Lots of great things to dive into, good news, and uh, maybe a few surprises along the way, ladies, yeah. gals, and non-binary pals. And you know, uh, from the, the wrestling world, as some of you know, I, I like to uh, spend time in, uh, uh, we might have something of a major announcement at the end of this episode. So stick and stay, And you don't Van even got to look at Brock Lesnar's face. <laughs> That's the yeah. best part. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> uh, so stick and stay, Van Earl. Stay tuned for that. But let's jump into talking about the anime and the stuff like that. Uh, it's been a while since we've actually done that, haven't we? The, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Jack and I... Uh, we've kept in contact, but we've kind of let APOS lie dormant for a little bit just because of animation studios and all of those things uh, kind of being put on hold uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic and the quarantine. But now we are in the summer, Jack. And yes, we are. The summer 2020 anime season is starting to get underway and... Lo and behold, old man DJM has not one, not two, not three, not four, but one, two, three, four, five different animus that he's going to be checking out. So uh, five. That's as many as straw hats that I like. Three ain't enough. I need five. Uh, and even now, old cranky DJM is still looking into the anime stuff. Uh, you got ReZero coming back. I know that that's going to be a, a smash hit. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, what I believe is called GBate. And, and uh, so yeah. much so, there's so yeah, much hype for this show. Yes, it does. Uh, this one uh, got a little bit of buzz from Anime News Network, Jack. Uh, they're going to be partnering up with uh, a streaming service. Uh, Anime News Network Plus, I believe it's called, and oh, wow. they'll be premiering this show uh, through ANN. So uh, this one seems to be getting some buzz. And uh, yes, also is one more uh, is called Deca Dance. Uh, I, I remember yes, looking at that this one, one. Looks like the standout to me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's it's so nice to know that there are. Uh, so many of my problems with with anime and, and podcasting and and this fandom and fan space so many times has been well i still very much enjoy and love this medium uh, the things that i have gravitated towards have always kind of been a little bit off the beaten path so thank you for saying that you're looking at decadence too Yes. Decadance was definitely a big standout for me just because uh, it doesn't look like everything else that's always the big standout. Because, as I like to call it, there's sort of like a house anime style. Everything just kind of looks vaguely like K-On! recently. Mm -hmm. uh, another big one for me was uh, it's a second season of something I didn't uh, catch last time. There's also Olympia Kiklos is coming back for a second season. But this is... Um, um, Muhyo and Roji's Bureau of Supernatural Investigation from Studio Dean. So I might have to take a look at that because I don't know if you know this about me, David, based off of my various choices of anime that I really like. But that genre of, you know, the the heroes going in and ghost busting in anime, it's it's something un, unparalleled, I think. So I so am a big sucker for that genre. Bustin feels good for you. Is that right, Jack? Bustin makes me feel good. And, you know, if anime Rick Moranis shows up, that would be hilarious. I would be here for it. Please let, let me know if that does. Uh, also, I, I had one uh, from last year that got a little bit of buzz, and that was No Gun's Life that is coming back. 
Uh, I dug this show when I watched it, uh, even more for the fact that it's just a dude who has a gun for a head. Uh, I thought that was just kind of (laughs) hilarious and awesome. But the actual story was pretty compelling. Uh, We're we're going through a, a discovery arc with the main character. The action is solid. The world building is interesting. It's it's got a touch of film noir to it. That I kind of dug. Uh, also, just going completely off the rails here, uh, there is one called Evil Love. Uh, it is an adaptation of an Otome game. And I-, I found the premise of this just to be so absurdly wonderful, I wanted to give it a fair shot. Uh, this one was about a world where psychic powers exist. And the Uh game is where you inherit a television station from your father who has recently passed away. And you are the producer of a TV show with four men who are psychic. And you have to choose one of them in this game. So I'm, I'm interested in what they're going to do with this. That does sound pretty absurd. I I, will, I think uh, we do have a pretty neat throwback episode uh, where we talk with a guest about dating sims and how they can be quite delightfully unusual. And, you know, that doesn't surprise me at all from that premise. Uh, Evil it, love. love. It, oh, it's, man. it's kind of amazing that with it kind of a one-dimensional game genre that it gives you almost infinite freedom to do whatever you want uh, as long as you keep within the context of choosing your betrothed. Uh, you can pretty much do whatever you want otherwise. I, I mean, to be fair, they made a fucking pigeon game. <laughs> that that was a dating sim. So <laughs> Yes, they, they did. I will say um, the fan artist for Hotable Boyfriend kind of making the protagonist wear like a bird suit in order to acclimate better with them is possibly the funniest thing to come out of that franchise. (laughs) Uh, Where's that big bird DLC? Oh, God. (laughs) They'll have to jump through some hoops for that. That's the Kickstarter stretch goal for the Switch release. (laughs) (laughs) They'll add in Kazooie. Don't get Nintendo any Nintendo. ideas. Get get like the song. I don't really have to. They've got plenty of weird ideas going on. Yeah, something's gonna go down. Okay, so yeah, I actually still like anime. Believe it or not, everybody, I do. Uh, anime so still much, exists. Uh, so much so that I've even gone back into the old Gundam franchise, Jack, uh, and I am going back to kind of scrape and find the few things left in the Gundam franchise that I have not tapped or touched. And one of them was 1987's Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam, which was the direct sequel to, in my opinion, a a masterpiece of the 80s, Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam. Uh, This was the direct sequel, although it's mostly a new cast and... Everything that I had heard about Double Zeta was that it was a completely different vibe, uh, very more, very much a comedic vibe uh, in comparison to Zeta, which was very, very dark. And so far, I'm seeing the comedy. I- I'm seeing that it is more lighthearted. Uh, the returning characters that are there aren't quite as... Uh, stuffy as they had been in the past uh and there are more kids in this incarnation of bubble suit gundam and it it does add a lightheartedness to it that doesn't really come along often uh so far i'm about 10 episodes in it does kind of fall into that Gundam trope of being a little bit slow with the world building to where you can tell that they were probably given 52 episodes instead of 26. And they're going a bit slower than I would like. Not impossibly slower, but just a, a hair slow. 
but I'm going to go back to it. I tell you, because- David, I will always appreciate a 52-episode season over a 12- or 13-episode season pacing. I I totally agree on that. I totally agree. Um, Double O, Mobile Suit Gundam Double O, was two seasons, uh, 50 episodes in total. And that's still really my benchmark of shows that I recommend uh, in the Gundam franchise. Uh, maybe Iron-Blooded Orphans, which got the same amount, will get there someday. Uh, but it's it's pretty close. It's pretty well up there. Uh, but I think that when I go back to Double Zeta, I'm feeling pretty okay about it. I'm feeling okay. Uh, I think that this will this will pretty much cover it all. Uh, I will never ever watch the live action movie that was made in 1991. Uh, <laughs> simply because you sure? just, I, I'm 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 100% sure uh, because I'm not a completionist I never have been I never will be uh, I'm kind of a completionist with Star Trek but it's because my enjoyment of Star Trek is at like 99.4% not quite the case you got a grocery Gundam. shop right you got a grocery uh, shop. You need more of your, you know, your fibers and your array of veggies, i.e. Star Trek, than you, than you do, say, your your processed grains and your carbs. Wow. So, I get you. I feel it. All right. Way to bring in nutrition into anime choices, Jack. Honestly, I wish anime were a bit more nutritious. Like, we have food wars, but then that gets so weird with, with how they present food. It gets all, it does. you know, you know. And, well, you and know, don't I get me wrong. Really talked about, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love Iron Chef as much as the next guy. But the way Food Wars does it, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. I mean, David, I did talk about Battle Chef Brigade. That'll give you plenty of food for thought. There's your anime <laughs> Iron Chef without getting too weird about it. You did bring up Battle Chef Everybody, Brigade. Battle Chef Brigade. It exists. It's an adult swim game. It is fantastic. Very good stuff consistently. I haven't I've been thinking about playing it again since I mean there'd be no better time. But I, speaking I feel- of games, David, I have some concerns. About oh. a game series, I don't really have a lot of stake in, but I I know friends, and I know people, and obviously it's popular. So I'm just gotta put an open letter out to the fans, All Pokemon right. fans. Are y'all okay? <laughs> what's I, I what's, hap- what's happening with Pokemon, Jackson? Well, I mean, like you know, Nintendo has. You know, gone on for years and years and years saying we'll never add DLC to Pokemon. We'll never add DLC to Pokemon. DLC, Pokemon, never. And uh, they did it, David. The, I, I believe, $60 Pokemon game, first game to come up on console, Pokemon Sword and Shield, recently got an expansion, DLC. Uh, I don't know what it does. I don't know if it added anything like Pokemon wise or if it was just more area to explore, new trainers to fight. Not. Not sure, but I do know that it is DLC, and it is Pokemon, and it exists. But more than that, there's also uh, apparently more Pokemon news coming up on the horizon, but since that DLC just dropped, I don't think it's the new main story game that everybody thinks it's going to be. And then on top of that, recently a game kind of popped into uh, sort of the advertisements on my switch that sort of said hey you should check this out it recently came out and uh it's a puzzle game known as pokemon cafe and it's cute enough but it's very much like something i think they could have just let release on the apple store you know tell me about pokemon cafe tell me about that um i don't really know how to describe it as a puzzle because it's all touched based and it's not like sliding blocks or dropping blobs or anything like Puyo or Tetris. It's a big conglomeration of just Eevee or Pikachu shaped balls. And you drag your finger along and connect them all in order to make a combo. It's not difficult. It's just 
So it's weird. like bubble bobble, like or, or is bust this what move? you wanted? I, I yeah, or no, not really. Uh, bust a move would have like you know aiming involved. This is really just you wiggle your finger finger across the screen and then you let go and then it all clears. It's very it's very basic, I guess I would say. And so it, you know maybe that's fine for you know the average Joe. And I know that Pokemon has had a number of mobile releases now, but part of me is just wondering why was this a switch release? Why wasn't this on the phone? It's free. And I believe it is pay to play. I, I deleted it. I was just kind of like, well, well, I checked it out just to see what it was. I wanted to see what was going on in the world of Pokemon on the tertiary side. And it doesn't look that good. And I remember not to pull the back in my day card, Semi, semi. I used to be with it, man, Jack. I used to be with it, Jack. Then they changed what it was. Yeah, I mean, I remember when the side Pokemon games, when the side Pokemon games were still capable of bringing you through all the gym leaders and their trainers and the Elite Four, and I'm talking about the N64 Classics Pokemon Stadium. So, you know, I know what the spinoffs should be like, and I've seen what's been going on in the community, and I've kind of vaguely gotten people to explain to me, like, you've gotten rid of national decks, so you can't really, like, apparently transfer your Pokemon from other games. And if you have an emotional connection to the series, that does suck. And then just to add on top of it, it seems like two to three pieces of big Pokemon content are kind of releasing this summer or at least being announced and it's really doesn't feel I mean I don't know I I like I said I'm kind of on the outskirts but I do know people and I'm just worried like how are y'all feeling is this okay are you worried do you think Pokemon is more of a like a, a mascot franchise more more than the game that it was I mean it's kind of got an identity crisis from the beginning, you know, card game, anime, video game. It's a brand. Uh, it, it's always been a brand, but I'm just worried that maybe it's kind of getting spread a little thin. And I'm worried about my friends. And this is my open invitation to say, guys, I see what's going on. And I'm worried about you. And I'm worried about Ash. Happy trails, my friend. Well, I think Ash will be all right. I mean, in the last few years, he got a kiss from a girl. He finally won a Pokemon League. His Uh, homie got a girlfriend. Yeah, I think think Ash will be all right. Uh, Ash will be okay. I think the rest of... I think the rest of the Pokemon universe, uh, I think they probably recognize that uh, it's more than just a video game, and it always has been more than just a video game. It is a brand. Uh, Microsoft has Windows or, or Microsoft Office and, and these kinds of things. Uh, I think Nintendo and by extension Game Freak, uh, Pokemon is probably a billion dollar business to them in, in many ways to where uh, it, it is something that they will always see as a priority and they will always try and find ways to evolve. <clears throat> hint, hint, everybody. Uh, they will always try to evolve that brand in some way. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, some fans may not be along for the ride. That's okay. That happens. Uh, you might pick up some new ones and that's okay too. Uh, I, I think that I can Pokemon definitely see fans... this appealing to people who aren't veterans of the franchise. But I worry well, if that that's how it worked for Pokemon Go. To other people. Indeed, isn't that Pokemon that's Go? Detective much, Pikachu. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with experimenting with new things to uh, try new ideas. Maybe reach a few people that aren't necessarily familiar with what you do. There's nothing wrong with that. That that's part of creation. That 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 is a part of art as we say, because video games are art, and they are. I guess my question is just, is this the proper direction direction to go for them, you know, to really make it stand the test of time? Is anyone going to remember Pokemon Cafe in a few months sort of thing? 
Probably not. Not the Probably main thing. Probably not. You know, I'm. But I'm people really. Are, people are still playing Pokemon Go. That is true. I think that kind of encapsulates the feel of being a Pokemon trainer, though. I don't really know a whole lot of people who look at Pokemon as a franchise in a world and world and go, you know. I like the idea of ha- being a trainer or a Pokemon master or a gym leader, but I, I want to be a barista, and just have the Pokemon come to me. Although well, you see either people, way, th- I'm wishing everyone pe- the best of luck. Me too, <laughs> and especially to all of those Pokemon photographers out there, because because you know they oh, love yeah. that Pokemon Snap. Oh yeah, well that is I guess that is the silver lining in that Pokemon Snap is like that's been long overdue. And even though I am the N64 homeboy here, may, not really sure if I'm going to pick that up, but I am happy that it exists. Uh, that, at the very least, feels like that's something the fans wanted. And I don't know. I'm worried about them fans out there. Are you guys mad about the DLC? Are you not? I haven't really seen anything. I just saw that there have been promises for years not to do that, and then that happened, and I'm, I'm worried about y'all. Let me know what you think. I'm very curious. Yeah. Let us know. Not being really any stake in the Pokemon series, except for, like I said, Stadium. I, you know, I don't really have that knowledge to say if this upsets or not. And beyond the anime, which has been talked about ad nauseum for a while, uh, I would love to hear from you guys on that one, too. So let us know. Uh, Jack? I talked about what I'm looking at anime-wise. How about you? Well, David, uh, I kind of took a look at a classic myself. And this was also one that had been kind of overlooked by me. I hear a lot of people talking it up. And I thought to myself, I should take a look at it. So I'm about two to three episodes into Spice and Wolf, David. Is this something you've Uh, ever watched or know anything of? I gave it one watch. Uh, I thought it was actually... uh, Pretty well done. Uh, I loved the art style of the show, and I don't normally like kind of the old world anime style. I don't normally like it. But this one, uh, I don't know whether it was just the coloring and the color scheme, but I found it very easy to watch and very easy to uh, sit down and enjoy. So I'm I'm familiar with Spice and Wolf, yes. Yeah, it's, it it's does been a have while. A very it's been a little while. Feel but to it. Yeah, yeah. I I've been really liking it so far. Um, I, I think this is probably one of the most mature anime relationships I've seen that started with such ridiculous circumstances. Because I think it's fairly obvious. Like, yeah, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like I've been spoiled years and years ago. But I think that Lawrence and Hollow end up together. And they've got some very good, uh, very believable chemistry just as colleagues in this beginning. I've been really enjoying their their uh, their wit and their kind of banter, but also the way that they have been looking out for one another as well. I really appreciate how in episode two that... Oh, I forgot what his real name was. I was just calling him Red the Fox in my head because he reminds me of the Animal Crossing character. But uh, he he's the untrustworthy kind of merchant and uh, Hollow sort of lets Lawrence know, like, you know, he's not entirely truthful. I don't I don't really know why he's lying, but that's what you've got to get to the heart of. And I like that. I like that she didn't have to go to that extent for him. But because she's been around so long and likely been so damn bored and you don't know what's going on in her mind or what her full intentions are. She just felt like doing it. I love stuff like that. Again, David, I think I'm kind of looking at my watch list of what I'm planning on uh, kind of consuming over this summer here. And it's a lot of like gods and yokai and, you know, creatures like that kind of finding their way in things. I really like Hollow. I was worried, though, because a lot of uh, merch that I had seen that kind of turned me off in the beginning of, uh, you know, the height of Spice and Wolf's popularity when it initially came out. All the merch, all the DVD cases, the visual novel covers, everything. It's all Hollow 
just completely yeah. naked. Yeah. Thank that, you. Thank you for that. That's for zero percent of what the anime I, is. I think one thing you and I have always agreed on is when anime merch it gets wildly over sexualized. It is it, it's a problem. And that turned me away from Spice and Wolf too, big time. Uh, I did get around to it a couple of years after its first run. So I'm right there with you. Once you 100%. realize the context, it becomes more of like a an idea an idea of, oh, she's an animal. It's kind of like a pagan image, sort of. But does it gotta be on every manga volume though? You know, like I I'd like a little something. Like maybe I get like a little Trini Silver if I really end up enjoying this, but I I don't know. I don't think I can see myself getting any Spice and Wolf merch, but I like the unusual premise of the show. I like thinking about economics in a way where people are kind of, you know, they're in a point where there isn't such a thing as Amazon yet. So that's kind of refreshing. Uh, you know, it's actual trade exchange. Money can be exchanged for goods and services. And I, I really like that. It's, it's a very mature anime in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, more mature it, it than its been marketing. Lauded. Absolutely. Much more mature than its marketing. I mean, that's the sort of thing. Another thing on my, uh, what I might hop onto after this, I'm kind of taking a look at uh, Trigger's brand new animal, BNA. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about that one. That, that one has been getting a lot of talk. Course, and uh, I'm just studio worried trigger, because it so is I'm studio going, trigger. And, and yeah. I will respect. And I did not I will like respectfully. Well, <laughs> uh, I Here's think long, I, I long time listeners of the podcast. People are saying about kill a kill. I don't think long, it's right. I think they just wanted to draw titty. titty. Long time <laughs> listeners of Apex <laughs> will know where I stand on studio triggers. So I will recuse myself. It's a hit or miss. It's a hit or miss there, folks. Uh, and, and, you know, I do what you will with the series, but I, I'm hoping that for their sake, please be good, please be good, please be good. But I'm liking Spice and Wolf, and yeah, it definitely surpassed my expectations and my silly hangups in the past. And, you know, maybe, maybe I wouldn't have appreciated it back then as much, but I'm liking it now. Thank you, Spice and Wolf. Uh, David, I've also been gaming a bit, and I've got a little bit of another. This is more close to home for me. This is another PSA. All right. Um, there's a game coming out. By the time this releases, it'll probably be about less than a week away. Uh, it's a new installment in a long beloved but also contented ser- series, and that is Paper Mario. And, uh, I shouldn't have to tell anybody that you don't really need to buy that, but I'll tell you that you don't need to buy it because not only is there a better game, but it's a return to form, folks. Um, David, I don't think you're too familiar with the Mario RPGs. I know that they exist. I've seen them uh, on screens and in videos, but... As everyone knows, my Nintendo knowledge is very, very limited. I'm kind of your Nintendo guy, and you're kind of my Sega man. You are. Well, uh, Paper Mario and the Mario RPG series, uh, Mario and Luigi, uh, also the Square Nintendo collab, Mario RPG itself, um, they're all probably my favorite Mario games because they're not just stuck stuck in the rut of run to the right jump on bowser get the flower jump and get the tote you know it's not just the rote memorization i like those games because i also enjoy platformers i think that uh those are by and large classics but you know nothing really compels me to finish mario galaxy so to speak as you know the winding and weird stories that are very irreverent for Paper Mario. Uh, Paper Mario kind of tends to be... I mean, I, I need to bring you back a little bit, like a little bit of a history lesson. Um, right. Bring me well, up to speed. First of all, there was the Square and Nintendo collab on the Super Nintendo, 
Super Mario RPG. This kind of brings in the idea of what if Bowser is not the bad guy? What if this entirely JRPGified boss who will totally what if Princess the Peach world just has a king? Yeah. What if Peach is Sephiroth? Like it just takes you into these very strange schools of thought that you will never otherwise see, and it transforms the Mushroom Kingdom and its beastography, uh, bestiary. Sorry, into an entirely new experience every time. You never know what you're going to get with the classic Mario RPG. Uh, new characters, new scenarios. Then you get to the Paper Mario series, and the first two are actually translated as Mario Story in Japanese. And that should kind of be all I need to tell you. You have stories where Peach falls in love with a machine. There's a weird interdimensional vampire trying to create a massive void through all of the world and end it all. And that includes Mario's idyllic 1-1 world from the Mushroom Kingdom. And you have to go through a massive star cult's initiation and follow the prophecy to the end of the world. David, does this sound like a Mario game to you? Because to me, it sounds like a great time. It sounds like somebody didn't lock a door. And the team, the team behind Kingdom Hearts and Yoshinori Kitase snuck in into a room where they shouldn't have and just started going wild. That is precisely it. These games are wild. They're wonderful. I said the first two, but I am also of a strange uh, ilk here, David. I think a lot of people have kind of come around on the Wii game, but the Wii game is, I will admit, as much as I think it is the best story uh, that's kind of where that whole synopsis was of the interdimensional vampire. That's that's Super Paper Mario on the Wii. Is there that's a plumbing plot. simulator in this plumbing uh, simulator? I think, I think you do plumb for like a moment in one of the games. You use their their puzzle adventure turn based RPG games. They're very chock full of a lot of stuff. There's chef characters that you can bring various items and recovery. Uh, and status effect items too, and combine them to be even more powerful things. I can totally um, see an RPG yeah. where you have to do some plumbing. I can totally believe that. Absolutely. So why not Mario? Why not Mario? I mean, that is so, his day job. <laughs> so the problem is, as much as these fun ideas all just culminated into these first three games, I like to jokingly call Paper Mario a trilogy, uh, Sticker Star and Color Splash are not good. They're very, they've dumbed them down into less RPGs. They're considering themselves adventure games. There's no EXP. There's really no reason to fight enemies as everything's kind of based off of an item management and or durability system. Coins are useless. Every toad is the same. That's kind of the ubiquitous uh, complaint. But more to me, I think the big shift has been Yes, the Paper Mario and Mario RPG games have been very irreverent, but they've also, they take themselves like half seriously. Sticker Star and Color Splash kind of went, okay, this isn't Mario story anymore. This is Paper Mario. So everything's paper. Everybody makes a big paper pun. It's where the introduction of real life if uh, photorealistic things like scissors and the lucky would waving say, cat doll. Yes, that's a thing. Kind of would you say the it. humor? Would you say the humor in Paper Mario is very cutting, Jackson? I'd say it's paper thin, mm. and it should be cutting, like the original trilogy. Mm. Um, so Origami King comes along, and I'm telling y'all, it's looking like more of the same. Nintendo can be like, we're gonna have. The, Wait, the, the Origami King? No, I, I played this. Yes. That's Heavy Rain. That's a David Cage game. And confession, guys, I, I kind of like David Cage games. Uh, when I do play games, uh, there is that part of me that like get, likes to get really artsy and weird. And, and David Cage kind of scratches that itch for me. So, yeah, Heavy Rain, the Origami Killer. <laughs> I, I already. Wait, are you telling me this is like... Uh, uh, like a, a detective game where there's like a serial killer in the Mushroom Kingdom? What the hell uh, are they doing square, That's at what they Squaresoft? Used to be. 
Okay. You used to literally solve murders in the in the the original Paper Mario games. I don't know if they'll go that clever with these. It's it's David the humor <laughs> I would actually love a David Cage style Paper Mario game. <laughs> Way more than this. Uh Paper Mario the Origami King is is kind of like versus the original Paper Marios, it's like the original humor of Portal 1 versus portal two where like portal one is like well here's a lot of really good cutting remarks from this entity that's surrounding you all game and then in portal two as much as i love steven merchant it's like look how funny and self-referential we can be look how funny look how funny i feel like there's a little bit of some quality lost when you know that you're trying to be funny you know and worse than that david a little too much winking and nodding little too much winking and nodding and i feel like they're kind of even going like they're doubling down on it because as mentioned like the npcs all just kind of being generic toads they have to sort of be like hey remember me i'm the one that you you found in wherever but david i don't have to worry about buying this game i don't have to worry about telling other people not to buy this game because i can just tell them to buy bug fables bug fables returns to the turn-based RPG story-laden game of the original two games. So it keeps that format. As much as I I say, I do like three. The problem is that does have... I don't find it a problem, David. But the problem is, for most people, it does the traditional Mario right-to-left 2D platforming in real time. And also the boss battles happen to be like that. This brings it back to the turn-based. Is there momentum? Can you, there is momentum. Can you... I like that. That's what I like about it. I think it's an interesting change. But I will admit, folks, it, it did kind of start to back the game and the series into the corner it did. Uh, you know, I don't think that... <sighs> I don't want to blame Miyamoto, David. But a couple of folks have gone on record being like, Miyamoto really doesn't want Mario to be anything other than traditional Mario. So that's kind of been a reason cited as to why everything's kind of back to, oh, Peach has been kidnapped by Bowser. As much as this is kind of eking away from that, it looks like Bowser kind of joins you again. You know, you know. Well, Sorry, it, I was talking it is about Nintendo. It is Nintendo. Was, so I'll keep it brief. Just play Bug Fables. Not only is it exactly the kind of same genre that you wanted but it also kind of evolved hint hint with all of us that have grown up playing those original games on this n64 gamecube and wii um it's tougher there's also abilities to kind of add a little bit more of a self-imposed difficulty if you want you get a hard mode badge that you can equip to make all enemies more difficult that you encounter from the beginning yes i did play with it Yes, you can take it off if you lose to a boss when you want to try again. No, I did not do that. <laughs> I tried to 100% all of this game. It is, a, it is a very interesting game, David. I will say a couple gripes I have. The character design is a little bit simple, but I like me some bugs. I don't know if you all have seen my Instagram recently. I've been drawing a lot of moth people. I like mods. I like insects. I like beetles. I think that as long as they keep a respectable distance from me, I think they're pretty neat. Agreed. I just think they're neat. Agree. And David, I got to sell you on a mechanic that I know you're going to love. Um, Talk to me. Um, in, order to, uh, in order to be more strategic in the game, to see the enemy's HP, which is extremely helpful when you're playing on hard mode because they have additional HP added to their base stats, um, you have to use a technique which is kind of brought... They didn't try to hide anything. They just kind of brought everything mechanic-wise from Paper Mario. It's the title ability. It's the ability to see the attack power, defense, and HP of your enemy. And to kind of maybe maybe learn a little bit from the character's dialogue about their weakness or something. Or maybe some advice on how to fight it. Um, if you do this ability in battle... It gives you a card in your inventory of that enemy. Eventually, you get to a saloon sort of point in the game where you can 
battle card masters based on the enemies you have spied during the game. You can include mid-boss cards. You you can include a boss card. They all have different like techniques and uses. It's fairly light. It's not a whole huge like full-fledged game, but it's definitely fun enough where it was fun doing for the whole capturing the four card masters badges and completing that quest because then baby you get to go to metal island and you get to face off in the card tournament and they have all these characters david that are like straight out of Yu-Gi-Oh. tell me about this card tournament jack tell me about it please (laughs) they're all like they're all there and you sign up and you pay the fee in berries because that's the currency. And then all these beetles and these spiders and these uh, ants come up and they all say things like when you face them in the bracket, I'm doing this for my grandfather or I've been optimizing my deck for ages. It's so fun. And that little tiny any detail alone is just a small microcosm of how much love and detail was put into the world and the mechanics and the fun in this game. Everything's made for sheer fun. This was a group of people who clearly had a fun anthropomorphized insect world. That's very bug's life, by the way, there's a hint of humans with the detritus and trash lying around, but you never see them. And uh, just mixing that with this idea of, you know what? We do deserve another good Paper Mario game. Here you go, guys. It's very satisfying. And hey, here's the best part, dummies. It's not $60 like the Origami King. Hey. It's 25 And you know what Guybrush Threepwood says? Never buy a computer game for more than $20. I think he can maybe, like, give or take the five. That's what Just the consoles enjoy are for. That. and just speaking enjoy that and speaking of consoles jack uh we should talk before we wrap up the podcast we should talk a little bit about the upcoming console generation and the recent reveal of the playstation 5 i'm gonna let you go first on this one jack because uh i'm i might soliloquy a little bit on this one so uh, tell me what you saw from the ps5 reveal what did you think i mean what i just say about computer games i really don't know about 70 dollars base price man (sighs) for games i think everything looks very sleek um I've never been a big fan of 4K specs. I realize that I'm old now and that the future will always just kind of be more. There will be 8K and then 16K and then we're back to counting things by bits. There will be a 16 and then 32 and 64 again. It'll be nuts to relive through that bits revolution again only with K. We've reset the universe. As Mark Twain says, uh, history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm wondering, I've never been the type to order a console at launch and this is the funniest and and saddest thing. I just bought the biggest, uh, memory card that I possibly could for my Vita because I was kind of feeling a little twinge, like a cat in an earthquake, like, I don't know how much longer my dear Vita has. I should probably uh, download all the games that I want before they vanish from my, you know, scope from forever. existence. I can't access them anymore. Jack, the 3DS think, is already kind of dying. Do you think that Sony could, should, or would give a portable gaming unit another shot? Should they give it one more shot? I think if they try well enough with ps5 i could see them doing a sort of you know peripheral thing like they sort of did with ps4 and ps vita where they had a lot of crossplay things and a lot of different uh you know data transfer perks and such you know i think it could work they just really need something finessed and right now i can tell you from looking at my uh switch and my vita side by side they definitely are beat 
in terms of design right now, but not with the console. Uh, David, since I think this is going to be more of something that you're taking into consideration, by all means, I re- I relinquish the rest of my time to you. All right, thank you, Jackson. Uh, regarding the the PlayStation Five, uh, I have seen lately, recently, uh, a lot of nostalgia for uh, tech design and tech engineering uh, of the early and mid two thousands. Uh, what I like to call uh, the world of tech before the iPhone, uh, because. The world of tech before the iPhone was definitely more of a wild west. Uh, people were really just going all out in terms of creative design uh, until Johnny Ive and Apple made the iPhone. And now everyone on the planet just has a very simply defined mobile game machines and phones and hot PCs doing these incredibly creative designs. And I've been seeing more nostalgia for that recently. And I think the catalyst of that was the reveal of the design of the PlayStation 5, which, for the record, I kind of like. And the more I see it and the more I think about it, I really like it. because It's different. I'm a little bit over the black box, Jack. I think mm-hmm. we've had a good 15 years worth of just plain black boxes. Uh, and I was watching something recently where we saw the original Xbox and we saw the original PlayStation. And I just thought, man, that was really from a time where people were really going for it in terms of design. And then when I saw the PS5 and I said to myself, they really went for it, and I respect the hell out of it. And it, it is a white console, uh, not the grayish uh, PlayStation 1, but a, a very white kind of design where the center is the black box and it has the fins on the outside. And for years, uh, game companies have been trying to tell people to turn their consoles to face them upwards. And now Sony's kind of really cracking the whip on that, saying, no, you are putting this on your coffee table and it is standing up right. Deal with it. It is a conversation and piece, damn you. I see a lot of people that are really kind of backing off against the idea of the console not being a black box. And I could not disagree more with that because... I think we're reaching a point where simplicity in design has made people bored. And I think that we're going to some interesting places. And I think the PS5 might be the catalyst for that. You're seeing more and more computer screens that are becoming curved and having more interesting designs. Uh, I think the, the folding phones that you've been seeing in the curved phones might be part of that as well. Now, As everyone always said at E3, when it came to game consoles, (laughs) remember E3, everybody, before the world ended? Remember E3? Uh, It is all about the games. Now, Jack, for the first time with this console generation, I saw the Xbox reveal, and I thought, these games actually look pretty darn cool. I'd really never said that much when it came to the Xbox. Uh, they just never had many games that really caught my attention. And there were a few. Uh, but then I saw the PlayStation 5 reveal and the number of games they had. And that's when I realized, okay, so I have brought every PlayStation console up to this point, And I'm still definitely getting the PS5. Because uh, I could not say which one game caught my attention, because pretty much all of them did. And that says to me, uh, for a lot of this gaming generation, uh, a lot of it has been so very active, and 
I'm not one for active entertainment anymore. I just don't have the mental bandwidth for it. But when I saw some of the games uh, where they didn't seem like these 20, 30 hour journeys uh, of games. It's not Red Dead Redemption. You, you have to okay, dedicate you a chunk of your life to them. Uh, I, I was a little bit more receptive to what I was seeing from the PS5. And I think that the PS4 has been an incredible media device. And it has been. Uh, I think that in the day and age that we're in, uh, people give Xbox a lot of crap for leaning into the idea of your gaming console being a media consumption device. But hey, guess what? We're all watching YouTube and Twitch and Netflix on our game consoles now if we don't have a smart TV. That's what we're doing. I have Crunchyroll on my feet. It kind of works, and it's kind of great. And at the end of the day, it will always be the games. And for the first time since the PS3 era, I'm really looking forward to the games on the PS5. There were a number of them. Uh, I, I can't even rattle them off. One, because my memory's bad and I didn't put them in my notes. But two, there were like seven of them in the PlayStation I see that Lord of the Rings game. Like, oh, that looks really cool. I think I might actually that- check that out beyond just looking at the Twitch streams or just looking at what <laughs> comes up on YouTube. Uh, I might actually buy the game. Uh, some of them weren't even the full $60, and that's awesome. That's even better uh, because, yeah, games are expensive uh, on all sides. Yes. And the graphics look I, great I will say from what for they've showcased. a multitude of reasons for Sony uh, being daring enough to do something different with the design of the console uh, for the number of games that looked rather interesting. And just the fact that 4K TVs are not that expensive anymore. Uh, just even a couple of years ago, they were kind of absurd for your budget. But during the quarantine, I saw that a 4K TV was under $300 and was like, well, <laughs> when you put it that way, uh, yeah, you know, definitely, maybe I, I might be willing to make the jump then. Uh, and with the PS5 looming, uh, unfortunately, we still don't know the price. Something tells me that might be a problem because it's looking like the PS5 might be a little bit more expensive than some of those 4K TVs. Uh, that might be a problem, but we'll see. But I like what I see from the PS5, Jack. I really, really do. So I th- And I got to agree with you. It looks good. Uh, I don't understand the box being you know an issue i I mean uh why the box has to be the precedent you know i like as a gamer when things look really cool even though i don't personally own one of those razor keyboards (laughs) yeah but they look cool They, they do they do look cool i think that it's important to a gamer that the stuff you own look cool you know like controllers look cool. I think it's time for the consoles to have a little bit of a makeover. So uh, yeah, I I would agree with you. And the graphics of everything showcased so far looks really promising. Uh, I'm I have really interesting feelings about that Lord of the Rings game. Yeah. Uh, the uh, future well, is feeling a little bright for games. Uh, in in every sense. Uh, I'm. I guess I'm someone, I know that there are people that kind of want their entertainment set up to be sort of in one style. Um, As someone who does five or six different kinds of projects that are all kind of different, I like the idea of having an entertainment center that kind of has all sorts of different colors and, and, and shapes. So I'm down for it. I'm down for it. I'm looking forward to the PS5. Uh, okay, Jack, I think we've pretty much covered all that we're going to cover on this episode of APOS. Uh, shall we, shall Indeed. we do the thing? I think we should do the thing. What? Right. Podcast is evolving. Yes. Don't hit the B button, everybody. Uh, so, uh, as we said, 
Jack and I have pretty much kept in contact uh, fairly regularly over the course of the pandemic. And one thing Jack and I have done over the years is we would share certain bits of media and entertainment that we're both watching with one another. And we do a little bit of an exchange, a little bit of cross-pollination of our interests, if you will. And we have decided that we feel like the anime podcast of some sort, uh, going all the way back to when I uh, first said to Anime3000.com that I wanted young, not even 20-year-old Jack to be my co-host. I think that we have grown and evolved and I think that we're going to be growing and evolving A plus a little bit. Uh, and I think we're, it's time to, uh, I think I'm going to say the R word. I think I'm going to say it, Jack. I think Uh-oh. that it's time to officially, at the tender age of 69, retire the anime podcast of some sort. Jack. It has been an incredible run. I cannot thank you enough for what we have done uh, talking about anime and animation. Uh, you have educated me on a medium that I've grown to love. Uh, you've opened my mind up to art and various forms of media that I would have never come across myself and I think that you are brilliantly talented. You have some really interesting insights. And this is not going to be the end of any of those things. We're just moving forward. Uh, APOS has always been uh, an anime podcast with some other things sprinkled in. And I think because I'm kind of at the point where... I'm ready to start talking a little bit about more of the the other stuff out there. Uh, there will still be anime, of course, but I think that the anime podcast of some sort is ready to get its Hall of Fame ring and start going on Legends tours and doing doing the convention circuits and signing 8x10s, Jack. Uh, and I think we've had a great run, but I think it's time to go to the next phase. I 100% agree. I think it's been an absolute... It has been an absolute honor to have your faith in me, to have these level-headed, mostly level-headed discussions, uh critiquing and thinking about the nuances of this very strange and wild medium but you are correct there is not just anime out there there is a huge pantheon of nerd media there are movies there's books there's a whole revolution of culture going on right now and you know we have very different tastes but i don't think our sensibilities are all that different so i think the idea of just keeping that miasma of what we consume and sort of letting it drift to each other through osmosis through cross-pollination is going to be a really interesting way to kind of i mean i always think about how media connects us you know And I think sharing media that's important with yourself, with other people that is that are important to you is one of the most special, brilliantly, uniquely modern ways to know a person. So I am wildly excited for the future and I am so excited to kind of widen our net to kind of make the scope a little bigger so, folks, this isn't really a winding down of anything. If anything, I think the scale will be just a little bit more than just anime. So I hope that you are excited as much as we are for the future and of the future of media and culture and nerddom, because it's going to be a wild ride. I'll- it, it, 
it most certainly will. Uh, we are not going away. We are still going to have conversations. Some of them might even be about Japanimation, just like we've been doing here on the anime podcast of some sort. Thank you all very much for listening. Jack, it is a pleasure and a privilege. And we'll talk to you all again very, very soon. Oh yeah, I bought the Bobo Bo Blu-ray. It's great. I'm loving it. It's not for you.